Do you guys believe that the Lord is good? Come on, do you guys believe that the Lord is good? (laughs) It's interesting because this morning I want to preach on a subject that I've titled You Don't Know. Come on, say that with me. You don't know. Tell your neighbor right now, you don't know. Because I want to I want to be able to teach you this morning through the Word of God what to do when you don't know what to do. And as a pastor, there was some advice I got many years ago as a young pastor about to start this church. And there's a great pastor that I love, that I look up to, that's in Texas. And he spoke with me one day and he says, Dave, I'm going to give you two pieces of advice you take with you forever. You don't forget it. It'd be the best advice you ever hear. And I believed it, and as I heard it, he was right. The first thing he said was, David, understand that people are not always going to like you. And I said, me? Wouldn't you know he was right? The second thing he taught me is, David, I also want you to know, as a pastor, it's okay not to know. Because pastors have this pressure to know everything. To know how to fix your life. To know how to fix your problems. To know how to fix your marriage. To know how to fix your children. To know how to fix your family, your finances, your life, your future, your past, your sins. We have this overwhelming sense of pressure to give you guys answers to solutions that we ourselves don't have all the time. And when there is a sense that you don't know, you feel defeated, you feel unworthy, you feel like you're not good enough because you should know. But the honest truth is, even Jesus himself, this is Jesus, when asked when he was returned, he said, I don't know. Only God the Father knows. It's okay not to know. It's not a sign of weakness. It's not a sign of a bad faith. It's not a sign that you are a disappointment because there's a lot of things you're facing with right now in your life that you just don't know what to do. You don't know how you're going to handle it. You don't know how you're going to fix it. And one of the things that I want to teach you today is a guy in the Bible that was going through such a severe problem that this problem was with him his entire life. John chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. And this is what the Word of God says. The Bible says that as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. How many of you would say right there that is unfair? Never had a chance in life. Never had an opportunity because the minute he came out of his mama's womb, he already had a problem. Born blind. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? Who messed up here? Who's at fault? This man or his parents? That he was born blind. The disciples wanted to know, naturally, why is this happening? Jesus answered, It was neither this man that sinned, nor his parents. But it was so that the work of God might be displayed in him. He must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. So he said, listen, God must work. And when God works, he sometimes works in the biggest problems of your life. And you're saying, God, I need you to work in my life. And God says, I am. You just don't see it because the very problem that you're in right now is me working. You just don't see it that way. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he said this, he spat on the ground. Gross. He spat on the ground and made clay. And applied it to this man's eyes. And he said to him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Notice that means sent. So he went away and he washed and he came back seeing. 
Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, is this not the one who used to sit and beg? Notice this. And lastly, I want to jump over to verse 11 because I'm going to talk about this part. He answered as they asked him, "Who? why are you healed? What happened? The man said, the man who was called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went away, I washed, I received sight. Let me pause right there. I want to tell you something before I start. Can I? Would you guys allow me to? The Bible says, I received sight. Say that with me. I received There's a big difference here. This man didn't say, my sight was restored. It was received. Because to restore something means to bring back. But to receive means to get something new. And maybe you're asking God to bring something back in your life that he doesn't want to bring back because he actually wants to do something new in your life. God wants to do a new thing in your life. How many of you want God to do something new? Come on. Because sometimes what you need is to receive and not be restored. Because there are some things in your life that should not come back. And God is getting ready to do a new thing. Father, bless this word. Preach now, Lord. Speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. I don't know. Come on, say that with me. I don't know. A lot of us carry fear. There are thousands of phobias out there. We all have them. But there are two known fears all of us carry. The fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. That's a natural born fear placed in us. All other fears are learned. Something you just picked up along the way. But when asked what is the greatest fear men carry today, the majority of people would answer this question. The fear of the unknown. The fear of the unknown. Why is it that people fear what is unknown? And here's a simple reason why. Because the greatest peace and rest that we ourselves have is when we do know. When we do know what's going to happen, we don't fear it. When we do know why something happened, we don't question it. When we do know what to do, we don't stress it. So there's something about knowledge that puts a sense of peace in us because when I know what's going to happen, I don't worry. When I know what to do, I don't stress. When I know why, I don't ask the questions. There's something about knowing that produces a natural peace inside us. That means when I don't know what's going to happen, I'm afraid. Why? When I don't know why something happened, I'm confused. And when I don't know what to do about something, then I stress out because knowledge brings peace but if I don't know I don't have knowledge and if I don't have knowledge I therefore don't have peace Proverbs 3 verse 5 the Bible says clearly trust in the Lord with all your hearts and notice the Bible says and do not lean on your own understanding See, the Bible teaches something profound. That word lean means to rely and rest on. So if I would grab this chair right now, and I would lean on it to rest, this is exactly what God says you're doing with Him. God says, do not lean and rely on your own understanding. God says this part is for me to do. I want you to lean and to rest in me. See, a lot of us, we think 
we don't possess the ability to have faith and to trust in God. But see, I want to prove to you that all of you right now have faith. And you're like, no, I don't. Don't tell me that. You don't know me. Yes, I do. You have faith right now. Can I prove it to you? All right, thank you, sir. You guys walked in this room today. Did you not? And as you looked, we had new chairs. Right? And you guys just walked up to those chairs and did what? None of you walked in and said, hmm... None of you said, Pastor, where are these chairs? Who brought these? Where did they come from? None of you picked it up and said, where has this chair been made? Oh, it's made in China. You can't trust China. No one said, I don't understand the science behind it. How is it able to balance me? How is it able to hold me? None of you questioned it. None of you made it complicated. You just walked in and in faith relied that it would hold you. Am I wrong? See, all of us have the ability to put our faith on something. And if you can put your faith in a chair, you're going to tell me you can't put your faith in God? you got to question God? You have to tell God to give you answers. You need God to tell you why. You need God to explain to you. You need God to show you how things work in order for you to then say, okay, now I know I can trust you. Why is it that we question God and don't rest on him? God says you can rest without understanding. Because there's a lot of things in your life right now you don't understand. And there's a lot of things that have happened to you in your life, in your past, you just don't understand. And there are things about your future you just don't understand. See, life is full of so many things we just don't understand. And when we don't understand something, we make a choice to stress and lose sleep over and have fear about. But God says, if you would just trust me, you could rest. Even if you don't have understanding. A lot of us want to question God and ask Him why and and how and when. But the Bible is clear. Rest is possible without understanding. It seems like in one day the man named Job in the Bible lost it all. You think you've had a rough life? Talk to Job. You think you've had problems? Compare yourself to Job. Job was just praying and celebrating the life God had given him. God had blessed him. And Job had no idea that there was a war that had been declared over his life. And one day a servant came to him and says, Job, I'm sorry, your children are dead. And another servant, as soon as that one left, another servant said, Job, I'm sorry, but you lost everything, all your wealth, your business, everything is gone. And Job thought things couldn't get worse and he got a bad doctor's report and realized he was sick and ill with a terrible skin disease. And just when Job thought it couldn't get worse, at least he had his wife to lean on him. And when he talked to his wife, she says, why don't you do us all a favor, curse God and die? You think your marriage is bad. If your wife wished you dead, you need counseling. 
And in the end of Job's life, we know the end of the story. Job's life was blessed. He got a double portion of everything. God showed up. And I mean, the one thing I never understood about the story of Job is that when Job was trying to figure out why, God never told him. God never told Job, listen, Job, the devil and I were talking. He's about to attack you. Brace yourself. Get ready. Don't worry. You're going to get through this. I'm going to bless you way more than you have right now. So hang in there. Hang tough. God never did that. God never warned them. God just allowed the devil to bring it on him. And in the end, the only thing that God told Job, he never told him, Job, I apologize, but see, I allowed the devil to do this, but don't worry, I'm going to bless you now. God never apologizes because God doesn't need to apologize for anything that has happened to you in this life. Because God's ways are higher than our ways. And as he looked at Job... The only thing he told Job was, all you need to know is that I'm awesome. Were you there when I created the heavens and the earth? Were you there when I put the universe in place? Were you there when I set the stars? Were you there? And he just gives him this massive resume of awesome. See, that's where faith begins. When your life is falling apart and things don't make sense and you're trying to make something come to life and understanding, the only thing you need to know is, God, I don't know, I don't need to know, all that I know and need to know is that you are awesome. And I may not understand it, I may not like it, I may disagree with you, God, but if this is what you have allowed, it's for my best. So it was there that disciples were walking and they see this blind man. There's blind from birth. And as they looked at this man, they're talking about him. And it was interesting, in verse 2 and 3, they looked at Jesus and they said, Who sinned? Who messed up? See, I want to give you three reasons why you can rest in God. You guys want them? Number one, verse two and three, let me read it. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? He answered, neither. This man nor his parents sinned. But it was for my work to be displayed in his life. You may not have noticed it in this verse. But reason number one, you can rest today. is because God knows the why. God knows the why you're going through what you're going through. No one else knew why this man was blind. No one else knew and figured out why this man was going through what he's going through. But don't you notice that the minute they asked Jesus, Jesus knew exactly why he was blind. He knew exactly what God the Father had planned. The reason that I can rest in my life right now and you can rest is because even though I may not know why, God knows the why I'm going through what I'm going through. And God knows the why what happened happened. And God knows the why I need to go through what I'm going through. And God knows the why you lost that. And God knows the why you got sick. And God knows the why you lost your job. God knows the why your marriage fell apart. God knows the reason why. Because God is not a God that just looks down in heaven, from heaven, and sees life going under and says, I wonder why that's happening. God knew. Jesus knew why. But see, the disciples were trying to figure it out. How many things in your life right now are you trying to just figure out? A lot. They're trying to figure this out. And you know what's crazy? How prideful and arrogant the disciples were here. Because they didn't just say, hey, Jesus, why is he blind? 
They already made an assumption. They said, Jesus, who sinned? This man or his parents? The disciples already made an assumption. The disciples already made a declaration. And they declared, the reason you're going through this is because your parents, your mom, your dad, they messed up somewhere. Or the reason that you're going through this is because you sinned. How does a baby sin out of the womb? Really? And they made their assumptions. Now, they were right in one thing because... Oftentimes, the reason we struggle is because either we sin or we suffer because other people sin against us. But see, lesson number one here should be learned. The disciples, they assessed the situation wrong. They made a wrong assessment of the problem. And whenever you have a wrong assessment, you will ultimately create a wrong assumption. And when you have a wrong assumption, then comes a wrong conclusion. And when you make a wrong conclusion, you're bound to make a bad decision. Let me say that one more time. When I make a wrong assessment about my life, I'm going to make a wrong assumption. And when I make a wrong assumption, I'm going to draw up the wrong conclusion. And when I draw up the wrong conclusion, I'm going to make the wrong decisions. And the reason we're making so many bad decisions is because we're making bad conclusions out of wrong assumptions because we don't know nor have the ability to make the right assessment about the life that's in God's hands. And maybe right now today, you're looking at life and you're assessing things all wrong. And they made a terrible assessment. They had no idea that the real true reason was what God was doing was for his glory. You see, in that culture, when someone was sick or born with a defect, they assumed that God was punishing them. So what's sad is that because this guy was born blind, most likely the parents left him out in the street. So this man was rejected his whole life because his parents made a wrong assumption about his defect. If you're not careful, the devil likes to put wrong assumptions about yourself, your life, your future, your past, and even others to make you have wrong conclusions, to draw you to make wrong decisions. So you're quitting things you shouldn't quit. You're leaving people you shouldn't leave. You're doing things you shouldn't do. You're trying to make things happen that shouldn't be happening because where devil loves for us to make wrong assumptions. That's why right now you're facing a situation in life that you don't know what to do. And the devil has you thinking, this is why you're going through this. And you're making wrong assessments because he knows when you assess your situation wrong, you assume, conclude, and make wrong decisions. Did the disciples not go through a storm and made a wrong assessment and wake up Jesus and says, don't you even care? They already, their assessment of the storm led them to assume that Jesus didn't care about them. I wonder what situations in your life right now are you assessing the wrong way? You see, it's not for us to assess life. You want to be free from stress? Stop trying to figure it out. Some of you are so crazy. You're trying to figure something out you can't even control. And if you, God willing, figure it out, it's still not going to change. But I need to know. Says who? Ezekiel 37.3, the Bible says God let him down in the valley of dry bones. You ever feel like you're in that valley? That valley is dry. You ever been with a dry person? Imagine a valley full of them. One dry person will suck you dead. Dry. 
Imagine God lets you down in a valley. Because I don't have time to read this whole story, but the Bible says that the Lord picked him up and set him down. You ever feel like one second God has picked you up, he's holding you, and then he just lets you go? And now you're looking around and everything's dead, and the Bible says it was not only dry, it was very dry. Hopeless. See, if you were in that valley, you would tell God, why am I here? Why did you put me around all these dead people? You ever been in a dry church? That's the worst. And you ask God, why? And then God asked him a question. Son of man, can, can these bones live? I wonder if God asked you right now, can these bones live? What would you answer? No. Why? Well, upon my assessment, these bones are dry and very dry, and according to my conclusions, they've been dead for years. And science says, Lord, that once it's dead, it's dead. So, Father, my assessment has led me to the conclusion that the answer is no. Can I get a witness? This man, Ezekiel, was so smart. He said the best thing that God loves to hear that gets him to move. Oh, Lord, God, <laughs> you know. You know what that means? I don't know. I don't know. I think there, if God could get goosebumps, he did. Because Ezekiel didn't say, well, this, I don't think so, and this is why, and, and this is my assessment. I figured it out, and I think it's dead. It's, oh, no. He said, can these bones live? I don't know. Only you know. Say it with me. I don't know. And that's okay. Because God is asking you a question. Hey, can you think I can, I can heal you? I don't know. Only you know. If you do it, awesome. If I die, I'll still be healed in heaven. So yeah, I guess you can heal me. But only you know. I don't know. Come on, say it one more time. I don't know. Number two, why can you rest? Because if God knows what you don't know, and God knows the why, God knows not only the why, God knows the how. God knows the how to the reason over that thing you don't understand. I wonder how many stress out with how. How am I going to get through this? How am I going to find a good godly man in Miami? How am I going to pay this rent? How am I going to do that? How, what's going to happen to that? How can I raise these kids? How? How can I get this job? How can I not lose this job? How, Lord? How? 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 And God says, you're not going to know how I do things. There's so many people in the Bible that wrestled with how. Don't you know that there's so many people in the Bible that when God showed up and gave them a great vision, it should have been a time of worship and praise and joy, but they killed it with how. Abraham showed up there with God. God said, look at the stars. Look at the stars. How awesome. You're going to be a father of many nations. If you can count those stars, that's exactly how many people are going to come through you. That should have been a moment of, wow, God, are you see it? God, you're amazing. First thing out of his mouth. How? How? I'm old. And you want to know who else is old? My wife is old. And, I, and my childbearing, those are days are over. You want to talk about dead? She's dead, Lord. She's dry, Lord. It's not going to happen. How? And even then, 25 years later, God did it. And then Mary, 
Mother of Jesus shows up. You're going to give birth to my child, the Savior of the world. That should have been a moment of, wow, me, that's awesome. You're amazing. Thank you, Lord, for choosing me. I don't deserve it. First thing out of her mouth. How? Since I'm a virgin. How? Jesus tells his disciples, feed the 5,000 men and all the rest of the children and women. Feed them right now. And the first thing out of the disciples' mouth was, how? We don't have enough. How? God called Jeremiah to preach to the nation of Israel repentance. And he said, how can you use me? I'm, I'm just a child. Moses called by God to preach and save the nation of Israel from bondage. First thing out of Moses' mouth was, how? I don't speak good. And we're robbing God of praise with how? How many hows do you have in your life? How how is God going to do this? I love that. Did you guys notice that Jesus, he does something that I think we are so spiritual, we read the Bible sometimes and we think things are normal. But Jesus like spits on the ground, picks up the dirt and starts mudballing this. And then he goes, <laughs> now listen. If you're a pastor, if you drive by and you see me in the corner with a homeless blind beggar, and then you see me grab a pile of mud and like, ah, over his face, would you then say, oh, pastor, so spiritual? <laughs> would you say that? Father, thank you for that man. What a holy man. What would you say? Pastor lost it. He's gone crazy. You would have said, Pastor, what do you do? This man doesn't deserve this. So let's not act normal when we read this, that Jesus made a mud ball and smashed it on this man's face. Because you have to understand, well, I'm not going there yet. Just wait. What did Jesus make out of the mud and spit? The Bible says in verse 6, He spat on the ground and made what? Clay. What's clay used for? Clay is used to create something with a purpose. Clay is used to make a vessel. When you look at clay, it doesn't look like much. When you look at clay, it seems like nothing. When you look at clay, one can assume it's worthless. But see, clay, the Bible says, in the hand of a potter becomes something with a purpose. The reason that God used clay... It's because he was showing this man. You may seem like you have no purpose. You may look like you're worthless right now. But what I'm working in your life has divine purpose and a calling. Because Jeremiah 29, 11 says something magnificent. For I, what? No. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. I know the plans. Plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. And that word hope means the expectation of something better. We need to stop thinking our best days are behind us. God is doing something better in your life. But I want to tell you something. You say, well, pastor, it doesn't look better. It's actually worse. Let me tell you, if that's you right now, I envy you. Because according to the economy of God, worse is an indication that better is coming. Well, where does it say that in John? 
Man, if you're a blind man and you can't see, you're begging. And all of a sudden, some guy comes and man, with mud. Wouldn't you say your day just got worse? Because not only is it bad enough that you're blind, now some inconsiderate person grabs a bunch of mud and puts it in your face. See, sometimes God makes things worse. And you think, well, why? I'm glad you asked. I don't know. I don't know. You say, well, Pastor, you're telling me that right now I don't need to know the why? Nope. And I don't even know. The, I don't have to know the how. What good is it? God's making clay. Hey, if you're discouraged right now because life is just not the way you thought it'd be, tell yourself, this is clay. This is clay right now. God, you're doing something. God made clay. Isaiah 45, 9. God says, will the clay say to the potter, what are you doing? Or the thing that you are making say, he has no hands, no purpose? I wonder how many of us, see the Bible says that we are the clay and God's the potter. And God says, I want you to be like clay. Okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? Shut up! Say nothing. Don't even say why. What are you doing? You ever feel like asking God, what are you doing? Why are you doing? What are you doing with my life? God says, listen. Be the clay. Say nothing. Just let me work. Do I have some quiet clay in the house? How many of you say, no? Asking God, why? What are you doing? And God says, "Hmm." let me work. Isaiah 64, 8. God says, Lord, you're the Father. We're the what? We're the clay. You're the potter. And all of us, we say all, all of us are the work of your hands. Can we give God praise for that right now? Because God says, listen. God says, stop asking questions that you don't even know the answer to, nor need to know the answer to. Just trust me. Trust me. God knows your desires. God knows what he's doing. I think sometimes we discredit how much God has control over our lives. And how powerful and aware God knows. Remember, I opened up by telling you, God knows why you're going through what you're going through. You want to know how awesome God is? This morning I prayed. I said, Lord, I don't feel like going to church today. I'm discouraged. I'm tired. And I told God, I don't even, sometimes I feel like What I'm doing here doesn't matter. So I need you to show me I'm in the right place. That you're doing something. I prayed that this morning. And I said, Amen. Went to church with a fake smile. Hey, how are you? God bless you. I love you too. Standing up during worship. Theodore, stand up for a sec, Theodore. Hey, it's Theodore. We'll give it up for Theodore, man. Come on. No, no, no. Just Theodore. All right. That's Theodore. All right, you sit down, Theodore. 
I'm sitting next to Theo worshiping, fake worshiping. Just like they're like, okay, yeah, that's great. Lord, I need help. I need some. Encourage me. And Theodore just starts talking to me. He says, Pastor, years ago, I was in prison. And in prison, I listened to your church all the time. And I'd listen to you preach. And Theodore, you told God you wanted to go to our church. That was years ago. Yeah, I was a young pastor years ago. And ten years later, God brings them here in our church here, and God answered Theodore's prayers. That he's here now listening to the man he heard behind bars. Because God is very aware of where you're at in your life and what your desire is. And he has a way of working it all together. What are those odds? Because God said, Theo, I love you. And if that's the church you want to go to, I'm going to do some things in Hialeah that are going to shut it down to bring them here. Thank you. (laughs) Because even from behind bars, God listens to you. And I'll close with this one. You could rest because God knows the why you're going through why you're going through. God knows the how to get through what you need to get through. God not only knows the why or the how, God knows the what. Say, well, Pastor, what does that mean? God knows what you need to do to make a miracle happen. God knows the what you need to do to fix your problem. God knows the what you need to do to fix your life. What this blind man needed was a miracle. He needed a breakthrough. How many need a breakthrough from your life right now? He said, Pastor, I need a miracle. But see, some miracles like this one are called instructional miracles. There are miracles that can only happen if you obey the Lord's instructions. Some miracles in the Bible came with no instructions. God just did it. But there are miracles in the Bible that are instructional. That God says, do this first and I'll come through. You think about Naaman in the Bible who was sick for years with leprosy. And God told Naaman, go to the river, bathe seven times. And on the seventh time, you will be healed. But Naaman even argued, can't you just wave your hands? Because sometimes we want God just to, right? But God says, I'm not going to until you follow me. Seven times, do it, you'll get your miracle. He told the widow, you think you're going to die, you're starving, you have no income. Go collect jars. Come back and I will fill them. That's instructional. Could God have not just made it rain? Yes, but he told her, go and do this first. God said, clearly, the feeding of the 5,000, he tells his disciples, go and see what you can gather. Why could God not just have rained down food? Yes, he did it in the Old Testament with Moses and the Israelites. And manna came down from heaven. But this time, God says, I'm not just going to give it to you. You're going to have to work for it. Sometimes we have so much faith in God, we actually become lazy. And think that God is just going to do it. So God gives us instructional miracles. He told the people of Lazarus, that remove the what? stone. Could God have not just removed it on his own? Yes. 
That's called Easter. He moved the stone on his own. But this is not Easter. This is Lazarus. Get the stone out of the way. Why does God allow us and make us do things before a breakthrough? Because the doing and the obedience of the instruction is a declaration of the faith you have in God. So sometimes God says, you do your part and I will do mine. Well, God, I need you to do a miracle and heal me. Good. But what are you doing to get healthy? Well, God, I need a miracle. I need to get out of debt. Good. But what are you doing to get out of debt? Well, God, I need a miracle and I want to raise these godly kids. Yes, but what are you doing to raise those godly kids? I need a miracle and God to heal my marriage. Great. But what are you doing in your part to make your marriage better? Well, God, I need a miracle. I want a promotion at work. Yes, but what are you doing to get that promotion? Because the Bible says faith without works is dead. See, I understood now why God, well, Jesus put clay on his face and made things worse. Because the miracle, there's a connection here. I want you guys to understand this. The miracle was not in the dirt. The miracle was in the washing. God said, if you would wash yourself in this river, in this pool, you'll be healed. Well, Jesus grabbed dirt and put it on his face to make him dirty. Because what do you naturally do when you're dirty? You wash. So the Lord gave me understanding now. And said, David, sometimes I make things in your life get worse to move you to where you need to be. To get you to act on what you need to do. This man needed to wash. So Jesus needed to make him dirty to motivate him to wash. So right now, if your life is the worst has ever been, or things are not going your way or working out, could it be that God is just allowing that to happen in your life to motivate you to do what you need to do so that he can do what he must do for your breakthrough and your miracle? That's why we need to trust not only in God, we need to trust in God's methods. The mud was a blessing to get to the water. It may have looked like a mess that Jesus created because sometimes it looks like God is just creating a mess in your life. But if you would understand that behind the mess there's actually a miracle, then you would thank God for all the mess in your life because the mess serves a purpose to motivate you to move to where you need to move and that's your breakthrough. That's what God says. That's why. He won't tell you the why. He won't even tell you the how. But he will tell you the what you need to do to get to where you want to go. And James 4.17 says, The one who knows what he needs to do but doesn't do it, sins. So God is letting you know right now. I'm not going to tell you why you're going through this. I'm not going to even tell you how I'm going to get you out. But if I tell you what to do, it's because you can't do it. So Jesus, I don't know how this man was able to stand up and even find his way to the pool, but Jesus didn't help him. Because Jesus can only help where you're helpless. But sometimes we convince ourselves that we're helpless, but we're just lazy. So God motivated him by making his life messier to get him to get up and do something about his situation. You're here today and you're saying, well, Pastor, I just, I just don't know where I'm going. That's okay. And I don't know why I went through this. That's okay. But it's so bad that I don't even know how I'm going to get out of this. That's okay. Do 
do you at least know what you need to start doing? Yeah. Then act on that and let God do the rest. Come on now. I'll leave you with this. Born blind, unfair advantage. Because some of you think you have an unfair advantage in your life. You don't realize you have the best advantage of your life. You have God with you. You have Jesus on your side. And the man, this blind man, could not see Jesus, but Jesus could see him. Because sometimes in life you can't see God, but he sees you. And what this blind man didn't know was that Jesus was about to do something new in his life. That if you would even told him, he would not have believed it. So it doesn't matter how long you've been blind, how long you've been stuck, how long you've been in that situation, the Lord can change and do something new in one split of a second upon Him looking at you at the right time. So don't you give up. Lose hope. Because there's clay in your life. And God is working a miracle. You just don't see it. Let's pray. Father, we don't know, and that's okay. If you're here today and you're saying, God, I'm putting my faith and trust in you. I don't know what I'm going to do. You come forward right now. I want to pray over your life right now. God's going to give you instructions. God's going to give you deliverance. If you're here right now and you're saying, Pastor, I need Jesus Christ in my life because right now I know that my life is a mess because I sinned. Well, Jesus can wash you of your sin. What this man needed was to be washed for his miracle. And the Bible declares that only Jesus can wash you of your sins. So let's all stand to our feet right now. If you're here today, you're listening online. I want you to understand that God sees you right now. And he can wash you of your sins. And if you're here right now, you're saying, Pastor, I'm living under stress, anxiety, and worry, and depression, and discouragement, because I just don't know, and I need to know. The truth is, you don't need to know the why. You don't need to know the how. You just need to know the what God is trying to tell you or teach you through this, and do what he says. He will do the rest. Your miracle, your breakthrough is coming in the name of Jesus. This is just clay right now. It doesn't look like much. It doesn't seem like much. And it looks pretty ugly right now. 